0: Beloved, if you have your Bible with you there this morning, let's turn together to the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John. So I preached this message when I was in Ireland, but it was very condensed. It was like 30 minutes, and I kind of squidged it all together. I may take my time with it today and turn it into a series of my last messages here. Excuse me, I have a tickle in my throat, so... Excuse me. Let me read it to you. I'm going to read to verse 20. And then we'll look at it together, okay? Yeah, please. Yep. Yeah. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, when it was time for supper, the devil already put it in the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from the Father and that he was going back to God. Sorry. And so he got up from the supper and laid aside his outer clothing and took up a towel and tied it around himself. Thank you. Uh, sorry, lost my place. And tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around them. And he said to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him and said, what I am doing you don't realize now. But afterwards you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. He is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean when Jesus washed their feet and poured or put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you ought to do, just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who has sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I am not speaking about all of you, I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send, receives me. And the one who receives me, receives him whom I send. Amen. Amen. So... This is just hours before Jesus goes to the garden. This is basically the last evening in Jesus' life before before he's, I don't want to say arrested. He was never arrested. He was abducted. The arrest that was made of Jesus was not a legal arrest. It was an illegal arrest. They took him by force. They had no right. He had not committed a crime. There were no charges. He was not arrested. He was abducted. This is the last time that he will be together with his disciples this side of the cross. And uh, this uh, incident actually has its roots two days before this. Two days before this, we know the Bible tells us that he was in the house of Simon the leper and he's reclining at the table and a woman comes with a little alabaster vial like a little anointing bottle when i was a young man i used to think that it was like half a liter of oil or something you know that she came and she just dumped all this oil on him like i put ketchup on my chips you know what my, my french fries but it wasn't it, it was a little little scented bottle and it was in an alabaster vial which means it was a stone thing and it would have been sealed Something very precious. We all know that the more precious a thing is, the smaller it is. The more expensive a thing is, the the, the smaller it is. And my son's smiling there. this the youngest one. <laughs> and so she comes, she breaks this little scent bottle and anoints Jesus with it. And it causes a... a A reaction in some of the disciples were told in the scriptures that they mumble and they grumble in themselves. Why is this done? They could have been taken and sold and the money given to the poor. And we're told that that was Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot. And he was doing it not because he was concerned about the poor, but rather because he desired the wealth that would have come from the selling of this perfume. The Bible tells us after that meal, he goes out and begins to, it goes to the high priests, to the Pharisees, to the chief priests, and negotiates a sum by which he will betray Jesus. So two days before Judas Iscariot has already gone to the chief priests, he's made an agreement with them that he will inform where Jesus is in a place that is, uh, out of the public eye so that they can come and get him. Now Jesus already knows this and for two days he keeps Judas by his side. If you know the planning or the preparation of the, um, of the Last Supper, that actually would have been Judas' responsibility. As the one who kept the finances, as the one who kept the purse, it would have been Judas's responsibility to go and make all the plans. And he would have been the one who who would have uh, hired the hall and paid for the dinner. But the Bible tells us that Jesus sent other disciples and in the providence of God everything was prepared beforehand and Judas had no idea. He was just trapped next to Jesus. And so when they get there, they also then the Bible tells us that along the way and during the, the, the meal, it tells us later on in John, but earlier in another book, that the disciples were beginning to argue with one another, to bump heads, to, to, to have disagreements as to who was the most important. And you're like, well, why would they do that? See, in their culture, in their tradition, you didn't sit at a table like we have. They didn't have big tables like this. They didn't have chairs like this. You when you ate your dinner, you reclined. If you read the text, Jesus reclined at the table. The table would have been a small blanket or something on the on the floor, or a small like bench on the floor. And when you're sat, it was the tradition of the day, you lay with your head to the table and your feet. Away from the table. In their culture, it was a great offense if you pointed your, the soles of your feet at someone. If you pointed the soles of your feet, <laughs> but not in our culture, so it's okay. Uh, if you pointed the soles of your feet at someone, it was a great insult. It was like we would say, you know, flipping them. The you understand that reference. And so uh, you, you lay with your head towards the table. And your feet towards the wall away from them and you didn't sit on a uh, they sat on like a, they lay on a, like a little divan a little sofa like a little um you ever been to the mediterranean or on holiday we haven't but you know and you see the well, i have but not as a family and you see these, these sun loungers that people have where they, they lie on these sun loungers by the pool. We all know that kind of stereotype picture. The Germans are always out first with their towels in the morning, you know, so that nobody else can take them. It's that kind of thing, but instead of just having one person lying, you have two or three or four people lying on. Normally it was three at the head. And the table placings was like this, the most important person at the head of the table And then the people who were the nearest to him were on either side. And then there was two more sofa, couches, chairs, bed type things that we don't have here. And it went around in a horseshoe. And the least important people were the people at the end of the horseshoe. They were the people who had to, uh, you know, They got all the food last, because when the food was served, it was served from the front, the top of the table, and then that person passed it along. They took what they wanted, and then they passed it along. So when it got to the end of the horseshoe, you you had the bone and the gristle, and all that was left was the juice. You know, the, the everything else had been taken, and all that was left was the water in the bottom of the bowl. So nobody wanted to sit here. Everybody wanted to sit there. And it was a demonstration of your, 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 not necessarily your power, but your position. And we're told in the scriptures that during this meal, the disciples argued over where they should sit. They were having this disagreement as to who was the most important. Seating positions. Oh, I'm going to sit here next to Jesus. James and John were like pushing their way in. No, we're sitting here. Either side of him. Everybody else can, you know, you, Bartholomew, you're, you're right down the end because nobody's ever going to know about you. Thomas, you're right down there. And in the midst of this, this difficulty, again, Jesus is keeping Judas right next to him by his side. It says here in the beginning of it, Jesus knew that the hour had come to depart from this world. And the the idea of the hour is this was the moment. This was the moment. Not necessarily it was going to happen that particular hour, but this moment. This is where it begins. This is where it's going to happen. This is the, the beginning, and nothing can change it now. Once this happens, the whole procession of events is unstoppable. And Jesus knows that. And it's wonderful, isn't it? To know that our Savior knows that things are going to happen. That he wasn't shocked or amazed or surprised at the betrayal of Judas. He wasn't disappointed. He knew all these things. And despite all the difficulties, despite all of the disunity that was going on during that meal, Jesus is still in control. Despite the immaturity of the disciples, Jesus is still in control. He knows It also tells us there that he loved his people even though they were immature and childish and blind and not really knowing what was going to happen. He was still still loving them. We might be disappointed with them. They had been together with him for three and a half years at this stage. And you could imagine that he, he thought, look, have you not been with me for so long that you don't even... like? Uh, but instead, he's still loving them. He's still invested in them. He hasn't given up or given in. He hasn't lost hope. Because he knows that the plans that the Lord has will be fulfilled in their lives. Not that they will be great. Because we know their lives. or Some of their lives. Some of them, the, the other apostles, we only know by tradition. But those who are contained within the Holy Scriptures... We know that they don't go on to live great triumphant lives and have mega successful ministries. Paul, who's not one of the twelve, but later becomes an apostle. His life doesn't end gloriously and wonderfully. He doesn't have a mega church at the end. He's in prison. He gets his head cut off. So we understand and know that Christ loves them even though he knows what they will become he's not disappointed in them Good verse 2 it says when time for the supper the devil already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot Judas Simon's son to betray him think about that that Jesus even at this late time Judas is with Jesus and that Jesus is still loving them I Completely believe that Jesus loved Judas Iscariot. I am 100% convinced. He didn't just have Judas there because, oh, you're the one, like, but you know, I don't know what distance? He, Jesus loved Judas Iscariot, and the love that Jesus had for him was like an anathema to, to Judas. The more Jesus loved them, the more Judas hated Jesus. It was uh, where Jesus teaches in his uh, Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemy and do good for him. In doing so, you'll re- heap ashes upon his head. Judas is Jesus' enemy. And yet Jesus is loving him, caring for him. Has him close. And goes on here and says that uh, Jesus, put every, uh, Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. And go on, he said. So at the supper he tied, he took off his outer clothing and took up a towel and tied it around himself. In their tradition they had two layers of clothing like we do. You have your outer clothing and then your inner clothing. And really what he's doing here is he takes off his outer clothing and he strips down to his, as you and I would understand, to his underwear. So don't think that he's just, it's just a shirt. He just takes his jacket off and he's in his shirt he rolls his sleeves up no it's something more scandalous than that it's something more shocking than that he strips down to his underwear their leader their boss the CEO or the Jesus himself says you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for I am that They believe him to be the Lord, Kiros Messiah, and yet here is the Messiah stripping himself down. It is a shameful thing. I was brought up in my Christian life to believe that this was a wonderful, beautiful moment, and it is, but if you were there, it would have made you feel incredibly uncomfortable. You would have been shocked by this behavior, and slightly offended and terribly embarrassed by it Jesus is not doing it and all the disciples are like oh lord this is lovely oh thank you this is great oh you're so nice this is like what are you doing put your clothes back on you weirdo stop it how shameful and the disciples must have been blushing must have all been looking anywhere but at Jesus and he gets up and he goes to their feet again I told you at the beginning that feet were something that the, in their culture were unclean because they walked in the dirt and they were dirty and disgusting and it was an offensive sign to show someone the sole of your foot would and here's Jesus walking on the outside of the horseshoe of the, the, the table settings and he's washing their feet you all have to sit up and he's he ties the towel around himself And he's taking on, we all know, because we've been so Christianized and churchized, we all know that it was the least servant, it wasn't a servant, it was a slave, who washed the feet of a person when they came into the house. You know, they they came in, they lift up your foot, and they just pour water, and they dry it off with a towel, so you don't walk muck into the house, your feet don't stink and smell. You just walk in, you go like this, and the, the least servant, usually a child, it was normally a child servant slave would wash the feet just pour water of it dried off with the towel and then you'd walk in and you wouldn't even see that slave that was that slave was considered invisible you, you they were just a thing and jesus is reducing himself to a thing uh, an appliance in their house something that they don't even think about and he's doing this and uh, And it's completely shocking to them. Now remember that the the Passover meal is a ritual meal. You and I both, we all know this. It's like for us the equivalent would be Christmas dinner. It's a ritualized meal where you have your set pieces you know you have your things that you do but here it was it was mixed in with a religious service. So they would sing, they would say a prayer, they would break bread and they would hand it out, they would dip it in the dip they had like a salsa, green salsa, vinaigrette salsa that they, they ate to remind them of the bitterness of, of slavery, the tears that were, that were uh, shed during the 400 years, and so forth. And they would get up and they would say the prayer. So it wasn't a case where they just sat there and ate. It was, it was, there was a religious part to it, and it was fixed. They didn't make it up as they went along. They had an order of service that they went through. But Jesus stops this meal, stops this religious experience and does this thing and it had no part, it had no reference. It was odd and weird and alien and not part of what we should be doing right now, Jesus. What are you thinking? But he's making a point and he washes all of the disciples' feet, even Judas's feet. Judas must have been crazy. Don't touch me. And in the midst of this, as Jesus is going around, he comes to Simon Peter, old Simon Peter, whom we love. I love Simon Peter. Simon Peter and I are so similar. And Jesus thought, Are you going to wash my feet? The question, you know, what on earth are you doing, Jesus? Going to wash my feet? There is this, you're not allowed. It's not because he's embarrassed or whatever in that sense, in the sense of, you know, I'm so lowly. It's he is recognizing that Jesus is so great. In his opinion, Jesus is mighty and he is little. And he's like, Lord, I am not worthy. He's recognizing Christ's position. And he's embarrassed for Christ's sake. Lord, you shouldn't be washing my feet. You shouldn't be doing this for me. And then Jesus says to him, of course, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And then Peter, being the man that he is, he's all in or he's all out or he's all out or he's all in. He goes 180 degrees the opposite way and says, Well, Lord, if you're going to do it, not just my feet, but my hands and my head. Everything, Lord. He's, he's, he is confessing his sinfulness. Not my feet are unclean, Lord, but my hands. The things that I do and the things that I think, Lord, He's professing his need for grace. And Jesus then says to him, listen. The one who's bathed doesn't need to wash except anything but his feet, for he is already clean. He's assuring Peter that he is already clean. Now it's not about physical cleaning. They're not talking about the dirt of your hands and the dirt of your feet. Jesus is using this as a metaphor to talk about spiritual, about righteousness and unrighteousness he's using this experience as a teaching experience and he's saying to to Peter that Peter is already clean but not everyone and I see this as a the last ditched attempt to reach Judas even at the last moment Jesus is reaching out an we would say an olive branch uh, an opportunity for friendship. An opportunity for repentance. Right at the end. Even in the midst. Even as Judas is just looking at his sundial. I guess they have. I know. Whatever they had in the darkness of that room. With a candle. They had the candles. He has a candle and it's, it's burning down. And he's just looking for an excuse to get out and going earn his money. Put Jesus in his place. And then Jesus washes his feet and here in this moment he's doing this thing as a, a demonstration of God's great love. Of that mercy and of that grace that is amazing. Because Jesus says here, says here in verse 11, Jesus knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. And then we go on and Jesus then gives us the meaning of, of the foot washing and he says to them do you know what I have done for you you call me teacher and lord and you are speaking rightly for that is what I am so if I your lord and your teacher have washed your feet you ought to wash one another's feet now beloved don't touch my feet (laughs) Okay? don't like being touched for the most part don't touch my feet it's not about a ritual or a sacrifice or a ceremony We're not going to start every meeting now by washing one another's feet. No, we're not going to do it at all. It's not about some ritual. I have been in church meetings where they have taken the bowl and the water and the towel and they have ritually washed someone's feet and they're like, oh, this is lovely. I'm like, yeah, no, touching my feet. It's not about Jesus instituting some sort of new religious institution. Ceremony, ritual, that is good. nothing, it is the principle. If he who is the greatest, our teacher and our Lord, our, and the word teacher is the word master. It's the highest authority. He who shows us the way. He who demonstrates by his living. What would happen would be a teacher would have uh, pupils, disciples who would follow him around. That's what Jesus did. Uh, we were thinking like a master and apprentice In when I was young a lot of my friends went and did their apprenticeship with a master, builder, carpenter, plumber, whatever, whatever and they basically followed that plumber around for four or five years getting very little pay and learning the skills of what to do. And I was told that you can tell whom a man had been apprenticed, apprenticed with by the way that he did work because he did it just like his master. He did the way of his way of doing things, or his way of communicating or not communicating, or the way he charged the bill were indicating, indicators of what school of workmanship he had come from. So you were able to say, oh, did you this with this? This man, it's I dead hard. Do you know what it You know, it's well known that you guys do this, and that's what Jesus is saying. He calls himself teacher, because why? He is the one who demonstrates how we should do things, how we should live in such a way that brings glory and joy to the Father. And he says here in verse fifteen, "For I have given you example that you should do just as I have done for you." I want you to understand that it's not just being good to one another. It's not just about doing stuff that needs to be done. It's about taking on the humility of Christ. It's about the demonstration of a love and a mercy and a grace that is sublime that is above anything that the world can understand it is a measure of grace and goodness to those who don't deserve it that the world doesn't understand it can't though it might hate us we still do it jesus demonstrated the perfect love of the father by washing judas's feet by humiliating himself in order to demonstrate the love of the Father even to a man who was going to betray him. That's the lesson of the feet washing. Beloved, we must put into practice, again, don't think of what can I do to wash someone's feet. What what must I do? It's not that, it's the... Being prepared to love one another, no matter what. To be attached, to be a part, to love the Father by loving one another. This is the main theme of Christ's teaching to his people. Love, that's why our church is called Agape Church. For we understand that it is the signature Gift-calling, demonstration, sign that a person loves the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind and strength. Because we can see it in you. If you love the Father, you will love your brother and sister in church. There will be an active demonstration to it. Not just in words, but in deeds. We are called to live In such a way that we are feet washers. And he goes on in verse 16. For I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. And the word is slave. No slave is greater than their master. Jesus is our master. He has set the bar that low. You know that expression? Set the bar high. Aim for the stars. Be excellent. And expect excellence. Well Jesus didn't set the bar high. Jesus set the bar low. He didn't say be great and mighty and powerful. and The way the world thinks of it. Jesus reversed it. And put it low. Not just on outwardness. Because it's. It can be easy to play the role. Something that shocked me as I've been, I've been contemplating this for the last couple of months, this is, this is the fruit of my private Bible study. And I have thought a lot about Judas Iscariot. Nobody knew. Nobody knew that Judas Iscariot would be the one. Later on in this text, all the disciples say it like, will not be me. It's not me, Lord. Who is it? Who is it? And Peter looks at John and, and, and says to John, Ask him, ask him. He he points, and, and John leans back upon the breast of Jesus as they're lying on these sofas. And he says to the Lord, Lord, who is it? And Jesus is the one I give this piece of bread. He puts their hand in the little green salsa and he passes it. To Judas, meaning that Judas was close by. Judas might have been even on the same or the next sofa bed type thing so that he was able to pass it to. Meaning, outwardly, Judas was respected and well thought of and played the perfect hypocrite. You would not have seen or known. If Judas was among us, we would say, what a great Christian that man is. He's one of the twelve. He was sent on a mission. He is amazing. We would not have, if there was a a line of twelve, we would not have picked. We would maybe, uh, Peter. Peter is a big mouth, said all the wrong things. Jesus told him off at least twice. I think it's going to be Peter. Peter. Or Thomas. Thomas was like, well, I I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I find it hard to believe there, Lord. You know what? You're going to die? Oh, I don't know. James and John, we're going to burn the whole place down. Oh, Lord, give us permission. We'll burn the whole place down. Judas, don't worry, Lord, I'll take care of everything. I'll pay all the bills. You don't have to worry about anything, Lord. I'll do everything for you. I'll go and make everything happen. I'll take care of it. You just turn up, Lord. You just turn up. Be great. He's the one. Oh, let's 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 sing the songs. Oh, And outwardly, Judas plays the role perfectly, yet we all know inwardly the Bible says he was a devil. He was concerned about one person, one person only. Judas. What was Judas getting out of this? So Jesus sets the standard, not as the world would see it, but as the kingdom. And it's easy to play the role, it's easy to, to, when you're amongst other people, to pray the prayers, sing the songs, smile, handshake, say, the Lord bless you, wonderful, and then you get in your car and you drive home and you say, The mass slips a bit, doesn't it? There's an emptiness and a a lack of reality. You go home and throughout the rest of the week, you have nothing to do with Jesus. Your prayer life is... uh, Let's not talk about my prayer life. Your Bible study life is like... let's Let's not talk about my Bible study life, no. You see... To be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it means to follow him in the day and in the daily. And the hypocrite, the the Judas, plays the role but lacks the internal reality of it. Or comes with the judgmental attitudes. Well, I pray. I, Lord, I thank you that I am not like that tax collector over there. That I pray and I fast and I give tithes of all that I have. So grateful, Lord, that I'm better than that heathen over there. Outwardly one thing, but inwardly lacking. And Jesus tells us that he is the master and that we as as his servants, his slaves, must attain to the standard that he has set for us. That we are to love one another. That we are to be humble, full of humility. Humility. And a messenger not greater than the one who sent him. The word messenger again is apostle, ambassador. One who is sent in order to do, do their work. Representative of the ruler, the master. He comes as a, a, a living example. He has to do. So he comes with the authority of his master. And again the authority of Christ. Jesus sets it way down here. Always worried me. Always, you, Don knows this. Don, unfortunately, in the old days, Don was hammered with my. Why do we have so many leader conferences and so few servant conferences? You know, we used to be, we remember the trends where there was a leadership conference here and a leadership conference there. Where were all the servanthood conferences, beloved? Our master served us and therefore we must serve him as his ambassadors we must not be as the world expects us to be the Joel Osteens you know the 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 bright and shiny faces but there must be a, a humility Jesus did not seek the limelight he did not pursue fame and fortune indeed so much so that his family came to him and said why are you behaving because like anyone who wants to be somebody paraphrased doesn't behave like this because Jesus would do ministry and then would sneak off you remember when he went and prayed after he'd done the day of, of, of the evening, it wasn't a day, it was an evening. When the sun came down, people came to the house, Simon Peter, and he did all the work he healed. And then late at night, when everybody was falling asleep, he sneaked out and went to pray. And in the morning when they came looking for him, they couldn't find him. And they were all searching for him. They said, Lord, where have you been? Everyone's looking for you. And Jesus said, come on, we've got to go to somewhere else and, and do the same thing kind of there. There was always this staying away from celebrity And as Christians we must have that mentality that humility no not a fake false humility that that says oh and and uses the excuse of I'm so humble not to do anything that's cowardness not humility we must serve. Jesus' humility was an act of servanthood, and we, as believers and his followers, as, as his disciples, as his students, we must obtain to the standard and to the method and to the the way of our teacher. And again, that is to to live in such a way that we display his love first and foremost for the love of the of the brethren. We must love one another i really i want to say the word hate maybe that's too strong i react strongly to when christians say i love the world but i just can't take the church they say oh i i love the lord jesus christ and i love the people in the world but see church oh no can't do anything to do christians just make me so angry i can't be with christians i'm like are you really saved the Bible says, if you can, how can you love the brother that you can see? If you can't love the brother that you can see, how can you love God who you cannot see? First John, there has to be a reality to it. And so, beloved, you and I, we are commanded to be as Christ. We are to be feet washers. Please don't touch my feet. In our spirit, even to the ones who hear us, even to the ones who may betray us even to the hypocrite and the false people i read not this week but before in one of the i was a presbyterian guy so we always take a lump of salt Um, he was saying that this demonstrates the love of christ to the visible and invisible or to the the actual members and the of the church and the non-regenerative members of the church in their idea that you can be a member of the church but be unregenerated I know it's foreign for us they have unregenerated members and, and regenerated members the children of the elect and they were saying this this shows the love of Christ even to the non-regenerated members to the non-Christians among us that Christ is loving them and we can agree with that in a sense we, we have children we have sometimes visitors who come, the husbands, the wives, the spouses, the uncles, the aunties, the mothers, the fathers who come. And, and at times we've had unbelieving people who have met with us regularly and they have come under the love of Christ and the love of Christ has been made known to them. And they have felt it and, and sensed it and experienced the love of Christ through us and from the scriptures. So in a sense, we are commanded to be loving primarily to the body of Christ, but even more so, in some sense, and a more gracious sense, to the, those who are not believers among us, either here or out there, that though they may hate us, we love them. Though they may condemn us, we serve them. We don't draw back. We don't. The hell with you. that, That spirit is not part of our Christianity. It's not part of our master. And we don't live that way. And he goes on. Here. Truly I tell you. The one who receives anyone I send. Receives me. And the one who receives me. Receives him who sent me. The idea again of. The spirit of Christ working through his people that the, there shouldn't be a a, a denominational spirit we, we shouldn't just look at a person and say well because they're a Pentecostal they're not a believer because they're a Presbyterian, they're not, because even that they're a Lutheran they're not a believer if a person loves the Lord Jesus Christ with a lot of heart, soul, mind and strength, if they have accepted him as their saviour they recognise that they were a sinner and now they are saved by grace. They have believed in him. And they are living in a believing lifestyle. A repentant of lifestyle. They're not basing their trust upon their works. Or upon their status. Well, remember Dawn. We used to have a a little girl. She wasn't a little girl. She was a woman who came in. And uh, she objected to baptism. We were teaching on baptism way back in the day. And she said, well I've always been a Christian. I don't understand why I need to get baptized. Always- My father was a Christian and my family are Christians, and I've always been a Christian. We don't need to repent of my sins because I've never sinned. And Don Iacan was like, what? (sighs) Beloved, our faith doesn't see denominational barriers. I know it's very easy, but reality tells us there are only two kinds of people in this world believers and unbelievers we call them the saved or the unsaved and we have more confused believers than unbelievers you know in the church I would say but we should not show distinction we shouldn't grow hateful or distant even those people who are against us, we should love them and serve them. Even those people who are at odds with us, we should love them and serve them. Be feet washers. And again, we don't really understand the connotations, that maybe butt wipers, maybe that's a good way of saying it, you know. Being those people who are so humble, that they do what is naturally unpleasant to you, something that is shocking and something that is distasteful. But we do it not because we want to or because we're trying to be the best we can be, but because our Lord has set us the example. And beloved, in closing, (sighs) Jesus Christ is not necessarily the way we think he is. He's shocking and embarrassing and odd and weird. And he he doesn't respect boundaries. He stops a party. Who stops a party and wrecks the vibe? We're all having a great time. We're all enjoying ourselves. The wine is flowing and your man stops it. Jesus Christ is not exactly how we see him to be. And through this act of humility on his part he imparts a tremendous message right at the end we all know that your parting words the last thing that you say the last things that you do are the most important i'm going to leave you i'm going to leave you with one last word of advice something that i think is important something you need to learn because if you don't learn this you're going to fail and in this supper, Christ is doing this. This is the, apart from the, 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 the bread and the wine, this is the last lesson that he teaches them, visib- visibly so. And he does it in such a shocking way. It must have laid an impression upon their hearts for the rest of their lives. Jesus Christ is not what we think he is, or who he, you know, he's not like... Uh, I think oftentimes we want this nice, respectable, well-dressed, well-spoken gentleman and Jesus is shocking. We always need to remember that he was not gentry, he was not upper class, he's working class. He's offensive and through that I'm not saying be offensive, please don't be offensive, don't be offensive but certainly don't allow cultural fears to hold you back from serving Christ. Let the love of Christ that lives in you, because if you're born again, the love of Christ is in you. Let it flow. Don't play the hypocrite. Beloved, if you, if, God forbid, but if, You play the outward christian and lack the inward reality if indeed you hate christians this would be the time to repent this would be the time to to put things in order judas ends badly judas ends badly he had everything going for him he got his reward and his money and nobody nobody knew None of the other disciples knew. He could have maybe got away with it. But the guilt of what he did, the shame of what he did, the realization of what he did, possessed him. And the demonic forces corrupted him, and he ended taking his life. We all know the story. His guts fall out and splash over the field of of blood. (coughs) Beloved, if you have not yet believed... Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while you can be found. For you don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what today brings. Jesus said, I will be found by him who seeks me. And that he would never turn away anyone who comes to him. There is mercy and grace. If Christ can demonstrate love to the man who betrays him, he can demonstrate love to you and to me. To anyone who is here. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you again. Lord, we are very aware of the realities of what service in your kingdom looks like. We're very aware, Lord, of the, the risk we all can play playing the Judas, of being a hypocrite. But yet, Lord, we are confident in you that you know who who have believed whom you have chosen you Lord are the one who holds us not we who hold you we're truly grateful Lord that you have got a hold of us as you had a hold upon the disciples and Father we pray that that you might cleanse us from those bad habits and sinful things that would prevent us from participating in your kingdom Lord you have washed us clean and we are already clean now lord help us repent of those small things those bad habits those sinful ways lord are there, are there any attitudes in our hearts lord any lack of humility lord wrong think lord where we have based our thinking and our practice upon worldly teachings or self-expectations Lord forgive us and help us to repent you have demonstrated to us your expectations your demands your commands for your people and for your kingdom for your students for your subjects help us O Lord to walk in your ways and to keep your requirements that we might love you and that Lord we might be a living demonstration of you in this world that your spirit might move through us and that your purpose and your plans might be fulfilled. Oh God, have mercy upon us. Father, for those who do not know you, Lord, those who do not know the joy of sins forgiven and of the confidence of knowing that you have a hold upon us, we pray, oh God, that you would awaken them, that Lord, you would call them and quicken them, that you would give them no peace until they bow the knee to him who is the Prince of Peace. Oh Lord, We ask of you, Lord, in this time of wrath, remember mercy. Lord, we pray this for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Amen.